Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. It's multi-platform excellence. The same people that are bringing you the CBS Sports uh, HQ Cover 3 show. The same people that are delivering those locks all the way to your mobile device. All you got to do is just subscribe. We deliver it free delivery. And uh, and now, of course, we are starting to get in on YouTube as well. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got a, a big week five ahead. Very excited to jump into it. The, um, the, the week includes a, a great shifting moment. You know, we are here now. The, the race has tightened up as we all compete against each other every single week. We have have a, a new uh, week winner. I, I did not continue my winning ways. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, but first, let's begin with a, a quick review of the card. Tom, three, four, and one on the week. The wins, lock, fight, win for Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, a win in the under for Georgia, Arkansas. A win in Pitt, Louisville. The losses include Mississippi State, LSU under. The under for Miami, Florida State. Miami nearly uh, covered that themselves. Uh, South Carolina, Tennessee under. NC State plus seven at Virginia Tech. And then the push was Army plus 14 at Cincinnati. Tom, lessons learned from the week. Uh, lessons. I don't know if there really were any. I think it was one of those weeks where at least my losses were blowouts. So I didn't have to really sweat them very long. There wasn't a whole lot of tension like Mississippi state LSG's under. I knew that was going to be dead pretty quickly. I knew the Florida Miami under was going to be dead pretty quickly. And obviously NC state's under was dead pretty quickly. The only one I really had to sweat was a South Carolina, Tennessee. So when you're going to lose, those are the kind of losses I prefer. Barton, five and two on the week. Uh, the wins are the Pitt Louisville under, Georgia, Arkansas under, Virginia minus four and a half against Duke, Baylor minus 17 against Kansas, and a lock fight win against Danny. Maverick and Iceman, bad blood as they turned on each other. Tennessee minus three and a half at South Carolina. The only loss is Kentucky plus seven and a half lock fight loss to Tom. And then a lock fight loss uh, to Danny as he takes West Virginia plus seven and a half against Oklahoma State. Barton, your lessons? Uh, I've not had great success in the lock fights. I'm glad I got one in. I, I, you know, when I, when I gave out Tennessee minus three and a half, I even said I would suggest you buy the hook. And, and yet I got sucked into taking them on game day at Tennessee minus four and a half. And so in the real, in my real money, I actually lost it, but no, I feel, I feel good. I feel like I'm seeing the ball. Even my losses are, are, are losses I can live with. I feel like I was, uh, you know, ha- had a chance in those as well. So, um, I I got a loaded card this week. Uh, a little yeah, bit, Barton. Barton, you're now two and six in lock fights. Just in case you weren't aware. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I know. I felt it. I felt that <laughs> pressure and that result. Uh, it, it's eating at me. A little bit of a step back for uh, myself. Three and five on the week. Got a little happy and uh, and paid for it. UTSA minus six and a half against Middle Tennessee does not end up covering uh, on Friday night. I think. On the mothership, yeah. 
Friday yeah. night on the mothership, uh, Bama, Missouri under, that was another loss. The Mississippi plus 14 against uh, Florida lock fight loss for me to Danny. Congratulations. I was able to continue to have hope all the way down until the final moments, but uh, it does not cash. The South Carolina, Tennessee under, I was also in on that. And then Texas minus 18. 18 was the number of points that Texas darn near needed to be able to come back and even force overtime and get out of there with the win. The wins on the week are the Cincinnati Army under, the Texas A&M Vandy under, and Pitt minus two and a half. Hope you got a good number uh, as Pitt wins by three, and that covers now to 14 and 11 on the season. Danny, you, you came out, I mean, like spraying the board. You said, I, I am going to have the heaviest card out here. And uh, listen, there, there was, as we mentioned, lock fight win against Barton. Lock fight win against Chip, taking Florida, taking Oklahoma State. Uh, also throwing the Auburn-Kentucky under on there. The Kansas State plus 28 at Oklahoma. Bro. Mm. Boom. I, uh, so my, my, my motto this week, stay humble, stay hungry. All right. That's where I'm going with. I'm, I'm going with like a coach speak type of mantra just to remind myself, don't get overconfident. Like, like you talk about spraying the board. I had the most bets on the table last week was getting a little cocky coming in there. I also have a new philosophy, which I'll unveil today Ooh. in some of my heavy favorite plays plus the under backfired on me in that Bama, Missouri, as I was 0 for 2, taking Bama minus 27 with the under. Uh, I've got a new philosophy why it didn't work, so I'll unveil that a little bit later in our locks. Excellent. 4 and 5 on the week, 13 and 11 on the season. The syndicate as a whole went 15, 16 and 1. Syndicate as a whole, 48, 44 and 1. Do we have a dentist pick for later? Well, I mean, we have one. Uh, he's, he's, he he's not going to send us one. <laughs> I don't know. I, I will put it to the council and, and to, to determine whether or not we give him some burn today and give him some run after he lost last week and, and Ole Miss plus the points. So he definitely sent me a pick. He got love on CBS sports HQ. Did he see it? He, he did. I sent it to him to make sure he, he saw it, uh, you know, to be ter- to, to be determined whether or not it will, that will impact his, his focus. Okay. He might. Forward. He might actually help me get over my fear of dentists. There's a phobia. I don't know the scientific term of it, but I mentioned, I think it was Chip on there, was shocked. His jaw hit the floor when I told him <laughs> I hadn't been to the dentist in five years. He's like, wait, what are you talking about? I had a bad experience as a child. A dentist where I grew up was pretty abuse might have been i don't know if it was technically abuse but i felt abused and have never been the same with dentists so you're so you like one of these guys that has to go to like the dentist day spa where like there's like running water and like waterfalls and like they massage you while they're while they're getting in there just to make you feel like at at all like i even then i'm not i I am not lying i haven't been in five years my wife is grossed out by it she's like it's disgusting i brush three times a day i floss i take care of my teeth i'm just terrified of the work that needs to be done Dentist abuse as a child. That is, that is something, man. They give me a lollipops. I mean, that's not abuse. That's just treats. Which I've never understood, right? Isn't that going against what they try to have you do? I mean, were they going to give you lollipop candy and soda and everything else why, is going to make your teeth rot? Why do they make cigarettes addictive, Chip? 
They give you yep. sugar to ruin your teeth to make sure you come back. It's <laughs> oh, just a man. scam, Chip. Mm. Oh, the dentist is going to stop giving us picks. <laughs> Our goal by the end of the season is number one, first and foremost, to be able to make you, the listeners, some money out there. And number two, to get Danny over his fear of going to the dentist. And we will accomplish both those goals. All right. Y'all ready to lock it up? Let's do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming since 2005 when Service Academy's Come locked. get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, Barton. The honors on the t- the honors of the T box are to you the uh, the week four winner five and two on the week so you get us uh, started here uh, looking ahead. Okay, uh, this is exciting. All right, my first time, first up on the T box. I think what I'm gonna do to start off to kick us off here is uh, the defending national champs LSU had a a bit of a wake up call. Last week, obviously, they lost. They found out they were no more, no longer immortals. And this week, they get Vanderbilt, who had a outstanding showing last week against Texas A&M, supposedly one of the dark horses in the conference. Um, so the line is, what's the? Let's see, twenty and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get twenty and a half. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take LSU here. Uh, the the so. First of all, LSU didn't quite know what they're getting into. They Derek Stingley like got sick the day of the game basically and was and was out. They play dressed out Jay Ward, a cornerback that was not even planning on playing, but was was basically forced uh, to play uh, by necessity. <clears throat> they were they were breaking in all sorts of new faces on offense, getting in a rhythm. Their their defense was they actually had a really strong pass rush. It just didn't matter because of the nature of the Mississippi State offense. Um, and they just, they kind of just, I don't want to say they got caught off guard, but they certainly weren't, they didn't know what they were stepping into, I mm-hmm. think. And, and it, it, it got them. And so I think that this week, with a little humility, they, they're going to need to try to take it out on Vanderbilt a little bit. And I think Vanderbilt, conversely, is a team, and I, again, they deserve a ton of credit for what they did last week, staying in that game, battling. But it's still, at the you know, as you look when you look at the you know team rankings, yards per play on offense. I think Vanderbilt's second to last in the country of teams that have played. They average three point eight yards per play. I think um, they they you know they played really slow. Um, they you know they they I think adjusted pace. They were like sixty seventh in the country or something like that. And A and M was willing to play slow with them. And so I think A&M was 71st in the country in, in, in adjusted pace. And so I think when you take a team in Vanderbilt and you limit the snaps, you limit the reps and, and, and limit the opportunities, and they are at a talent deficit, you're going to have a, the game's going to be played play close. LSU's 12th in the country in adjusted pace. LSU's going to try to push the tempo. LSU does have a defensive system and an offense that is going to lean on talent advantages in a way that Texas A&M for some reason didn't feel like they, they wanted to. Uh, and so I just think that this is a, this is a matchup where Ken seals, the true freshman quarterback for Vanderbilt is going to have a, 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 a he, he's going to be forced into some, some trickier spots. I think he's going to need to 
keep pace a little more than he did at Texas A&M. And, and I just think that's going to be a tall ask given some of the, the, the skill he has around him. So uh, I, I like LSU uh, laying the 20 and a half. And I think that they, they kind of get back on track here. Anything? I, got I ain't touching that I'll let you be on that island. <laughs> I ain't touching that game yeah. at all. Nah, the uh, I don't I don't like the mojo of you promoting Ken Seals and then turning right around on him like that. You know that's that that's your guy. It's, no, the 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 reality is Ken Seals averaged like like five yards of uh, an attempt throwing the ball last week, and and that isn't a product of him you know, struggling. That's just a product of that's what's around him. There's just going to be a hard, it's just gonna be tough sledding. And I think that, I think that last week is a little bit of a, a misrepresentation of what Vanderbilt's going to be um, moving forward. And I think LSU is equipped to sort of put them to the test a little more than, than A&M seemed to want to. Would it concern you that Derek Mason is nine and five against the spread in SEC games when his team is a 20 point or more dog? Um, they're nine and five against the spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know ever what to expect out of Vanderbilt. Like Derek Mason is is totally confounding, and so yeah, this is I mean, we're gambling here. Yeah, I, I I would not be surprised if if Vanderbilt goes out there and puts together another really strong showing. I just think that they got that out of their system last week, and I don't I don't know they got two of those back to back in them. All right. Maybe they're the power of the SEC, and we just don't know it yet. Uh, Their defensive line played well. I'll give them that. I mean, their defensive line's good. All right. Anybody? uh, All right. Who who wants next? I'll go. Okay. I mean, is it time to? We all know. Is it time to do it? Like, we need to go ahead and just get it early on. Has the the numbers already dropped? Yeah. No. It's plus. We. I mean, we heard it in the intro. Here comes the trend. That's you know my brand pretty much to a T here. The uh, since two thousand and five. Service academies have played 45 games against one another in the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. The under in those 45 games is 35-9-1. and one. It is not by coincidence. It is what happens when option offenses face each other. Limited possessions, limited chances to score, time melting away with a fury, games lasting two, two and a half hours at most. The under 46 and a half in Navy and Air Force and get it now. I'm putting it here early because the total is plummeting and will continue to drop leading up to kickoff. So get it as soon as you can. Why do they always do this, Tom? Why do they always set the line and then just drop it? Can they just one time set it like 35 and have it go up? <laughs> I I don't know. They haven't really. I mean, the total has started to get lower in the last few years. Like they're 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 catching on. Like it used to be in the fifties, like not too long ago. And it was like, you know, very easy money at that point. They're starting to catch up. Like it opened at 47 and a half at most places, but it's still too high and it's still two option offenses. So until the trend like reverses and they actually catch up because a lot of people still do, you know, it's the natural inclination for most people to bet the over in a game because points are typically more fun to watch than, you know, three to nothing games. So people are more inclined to bet the over. So when you're a book and you're setting your line, you're not really as concerned with being right as much as you're trying to figure out the number to get people to bet the way, you know, equally on both sides of the ball. So they can't set it in the thirties because then everybody's going to be hammering the over. 
duh. I mean, of course. <laughs> I'm in on this lock agreement, uh, Navy air force under uh, Tom told you what on Monday's podcast, you, we closed Monday's podcast and Tom said the number just came out, go ahead and go get it now before it drops. And at that point it was at 48 and a half. I think they opened Mm -hmm. it 49, just maybe a a hook shy, uh, at anything North of 45, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and be jumping in on that. So lock agreement. Uh, I will also be on Navy air force under, I am not concerned about it, especially after Navy tightened up and, uh, and had that great comeback against Tulane. So it's not the, the leaking boat that we thought it might be after the BYU game, which would be concerning. Uh, and an air force, like first game of the season of what a, th- I guess they played this game and then they wait until the Mountain West. They played two games. What was the other they, one? They know that this will be there. This will they'll be. They have two games on their schedule right now. Right. The and Mountain then, West schedule will come out. I guess at some point. Right. This is this is right. Currently, this is one of two games. So I I, I will also be in on that. So give me lock agreement. I will take the under in Navy Air Force. And if it doesn't win, we can just blame the pandemic. barton are you getting in on that no no i'm not i don't i just i mean i I understand like the like that's not my that's not my stick winning isn't your stick stick. like i just you know what like i'm never gonna make it a part of of like my fundamental existence to always bet an under in anything like i if you can find me a principal over I, i i'll take that up as my stick I gave you a principal over last week, Lincoln Riley home overs, and you refused to take it. And it cashed. And it cashed. Mm. Maybe I'll give that a try this week. Yeah. Let me learn. I I want to get in on it, but I'm trying to use discipline this week. Like I, I go for you guys. I'll be rooting for you. I might actually play this one in real time, but I just I gotta use some discipline because last after nine plays last week and I got a bunch of green. So since we have videos, see all these green circles? Like I got those. I got six of them right now, and I, I'm going to add them. So I'm trying to just use a little bit of patience here. All right, I'll start off uh, with my uh, one of my favorite plays of the week. I got a feeling I'm going to be, and this is this is weird for me to be jumping on Florida's like, hey, let's get on the Dan Mullen train and Kyle Trask. I'm going to take the Gators. Land, what's my number at right now? It's a, a- lot of points. 18? Uh, I'm going to take Gators. it at 18. If that's the best I can get it, I'll take it there. Tom, what's our um, best number? 17 and a half. So well, even better. So I will take that. There are some really favorable trends, and I'll give them to you again because I read them last week. It feels a little bit icky to do it surrounding a player specifically, especially in college football when they're not getting played. But Kyle Trask is 8-2-1 and one now against the spread uh, as the starting quarterback, including 7-0 and oh as a favorite in the regular season. Uh, on the flip side, the, uh, the one thing that is a little bit concerning for me is Muschamp since 2016. South Carolina's 5-0 and against the spread in SEC play as a two-touchdown underdog, including two straight-up wins. But I'm staying on the Florida high-powered offense. I think this team does have a lot of similarities to LSU last year. And I'm not saying they're going to go 15-0 and and Kyle Trask is going to be the number one overall pick. But I think their offense is good enough where they can ride it while their defense plays catch up. And I know the 600 yards of total offense that Ole Miss put up against that defense was concerning, but I don't see South Carolina out there with the type of weapons and offensive innovation that you saw from Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. 
Um, the three under Dan Mullen since 2018, this would be the third most points that Florida has given to an FBS team. They've covered their last three largest point spreads in that span. Uh, they were 27-point favorite versus Vanderbilt in 2019. They won by 56. In 2018, they were 20-and-a-half-point favorite versus Colorado State. They won by 38. And then last year, they were favored by 17 versus Florida State. They won by 23 in those. I like Florida as the heavy favorite in this one. I just don't know if South Carolina has enough firepower uh, to match their offense. So I'm going to roll with the Gators. So here, here's the thing about Maverick and Iceman is they, you know, they, they kind of they kind of go at it a little bit. You know, they, there's a lot of tension. Yeah. They have some, they butt heads a little bit. When they come together, you know, America wins. And yeah. and yeah, Iceman and Maverick are 2-0 and when they've come together. But, you know, between those, between those times when they've come together, um, there's going to be some, some little skirmishes. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to take the other side of this. Uh, I'll take fight, fight, fight. I'll take South Carolina um, plus the 18. Let me ask you this, Danny. Do you, if, if, if we didn't have last week at all, just Mm -hmm. coming into the season, uh, cold Turkey would, and you saw South Carolina plus 18 with Florida. um, Would you have still been on Florida? Yes. I, I I mean, we also were having a conversation of, man, this could be a potential hot seat year for Will Muschamp, right? I mean, the expectations mm-hmm. for South Carolina were all pretty, already pretty low. I had picked S, uh, Florida to win the East as it was, so I was bullish on them already. In fact, I'm probably more nervous now about this play because of the lack of defense that was played against Ole Miss. But, yeah. like, again, going back to that LSU comparison, don't forget L, uh, Ole Miss put up 600 yards of total offense against LSU last year, but – uh, LSU scored 58 or 59 in that game. Like, so I, there are, I think there are a lot of comparisons, but I do think that the, the offense is just going to be one of the more prolific offenses we've seen in Gainesville for a decade. I would yeah. like to remind everybody that Barton is two and six in lock fights. So congratulations <laughs> to both you, Danny, and the Florida Gators on your big win this Saturday. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, that's, that's fine. I could, I, you know what? Like this is, this is a defending champion coming off of a week where I won the week. Like I'm okay (laughs) going into a couple lock fights. The numbers will turn for me. This is uh, Florida might be that good. I I just, I'm not, I'm not ready yet to really judge this Florida team on an Ole Miss game. I think we learned that their offense is legitimately prolific. And, but what did we really learn about their defense? And, and what do we really know about Florida's de- or, uh, Ole Miss's defense? And so I just look at South Carolina and Will Muschamp, and every week is, is a huge week for them, and every week is a huge week for him. And that was the first, first game with the new quarterback who played pretty well in Colin Hill. Um, and, and, I, and I think that they, like, I, don't leave, I didn't leave the Tennessee-South Carolina game thinking, ooh, ten- South Carolina's in trouble this year. I left the game thinking South Carolina – played pretty well. I mean, they, they, they were right in there to win the game late in the game. They were moving the ball consistently. There's one tip drop pass kind of pick six that ultimately was the difference in the game. And so and a special teams error, right? Like, wasn't it the, it was a punt return. Should it was, it was like the, the Peter moment. You should have called Peter, 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 Peter ends up being a a big game changing play. So I, I just, I just think will Muschamp. I don't think South Carolina wins this game. 
but I just think that they typically play these type of games close. And I, I just looked up just just to um, just for the sake of it to make sure I wasn't missing a, a bad matchup here. Uh, Dan Mullen versus Will Muschamp. Um, 38-27 last year, 35-31 two years ago, uh, 27-14 back in 2016 when, at Mississippi State versus South Carolina. Uh, and if you go back to 2015, Will, Will Muschamp was at Auburn 17-9. Mullen won all of them at Mississippi State and at Florida, but all of them, but none of them were blowouts. None of them did he put up, you know, none of them was, was Will Muschamp's team not, not in the game. And so I, I don't think South Carolina wins. I just think 18 points is too many. And I think it's, as a, you know, I, this is one of those that this might be like a public play because that, that feels like, like an obvious viewpoint. And Danny got me last week on Oklahoma State, uh, West Virginia, and with a similar a similar setup here. So I get that this is maybe a little bit more of the obvious side, but I, I just think South Carolina is good enough to stay in this. Did you see Will Muschamp's record in this series as the head coach? Because he's one in three against the Gators. When he was the head coach of the Gators, he was one in three against South Carolina. So he's two and six <laughs> combined. Not exactly a great stat if you're Will Muschamp. Starting in a lock fight. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's uh, I'm trying to think how Will Musch like? If it's, yeah, if it's me in a lock fight, then I'm just in trouble because Will Musch. The tide never turns for Will Muschamp. <laughs> I am going to take us to uh, an in-state rivalry in the Big 12 where we've got old acoustic guitar playing Gary Patterson, and he's been working on a song. He's been working on a song that's going to c- create all kinds of problems for Sam Ellinger. Gary Patterson loves, loves to play Texas, loves to beat Texas. He's won six out of his last eight against the Longhorns outright. And we saw that this Texas team is not at all, um, it is it is not existing in a level that it is going to avoid getting pulled down by one of the rest of these Big 12 teams. Never, never uh, confuse uh, competition for quality. That is our Big 12 slogan this year. There is not a single spread that I think is... Uh, you know, a good line or a bad line, you're looking confused maybe at that uh, Baylor-West Virginia line. Maybe you're looking confused at that Texas Tech-Kansas State line. Like There is not a game that one team should be considered an overwhelming favorite, especially when they've only won two out of the last eight in the series. So I'm going to get 13 points with TCU against Texas. No, 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 no. This is not... Uh, this is not an overreaction to what happened against Texas Tech. This is a principle that TCU loves this game and cares about this game as much as Texas cares about Oklahoma. So I will be taking the Horned Frogs plus 13 points against the Longhorns. Where are you getting the 13X? The best I see is 12 and a half. That was the open, I think, and it came down because I, I think Chip is on the right side. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm I, what's that, 12 and a half or 11? Yeah, you still want it. 12 and a half. Yeah, 12 and a half is fine. As long as it's any, as long as it's still above 10, then yeah, give me uh, Gary Patterson and the Horn Frogs. I don't hate it. I'm not on it. Uh, lock, lock me up. Lock agreements. Oh. Why not? I'm getting in on it too with you guys. Oh! 
Lock Unity. <laughs> this will be this will be the first time the listeners who do want to view it on Zoom and they can see Chip's <laughs> Muppet in <and> imitation. <laughs> that was outstanding. So for what me, it, yeah, for for me, it's about one. It's about like what are we doing here? I mean, does does Texas deserve this? Does Texas deserve this sort of a line? I mean, Texas may cover this, but they don't deserve that number. Um, I mean, there, there's, there's nothing that this team has shown us to, to make us trust that big of a number. And, and particularly against TCU. I mean, TCU has won one straight up, six of the last eight in the series, five of the last six. Uh, Gary Patterson is two and one straight up and two and one against the spread against Tom Herman. Uh, I mean, this is and, – and I don't think – look, we saw Max Duggan come into the game last week uh, and – and, and sort of change things for TCU's offense. Uh, TC, uh, Texas's secondary has had some issues tackling and covering. TCU's got some players, like whether it's uh, Blair Conright, J.D. Spielman, Quentin Johnson, the true freshman, like they've got players at the perimeter skill positions. Uh, and and what, is, what did TCU struggle with against Iowa State was stopping the run. Like that's a big issue. Texas isn't even really running the ball that well. The offensive line hasn't been that effective so far. I just, you know, this is another one. This is, I mean, this is, I was actually surprised. I expected this to be a big public play. I think it's, it's kind of split down the middle, um, sort of 50, 50. So, you know, maybe that's a good sign that the public isn't all over this one, but it's, this feels like an obvious play to me, almost, almost, almost too obvious. Um, but I, I like, I like TCU here. I am uh, considering, maybe I can get Tom to give me some uh, confirmation here on um, considering the under, but before I get to even thinking about that, I'll give you my reasons why I'm taking TCU in this one. In Big 12 play under Tom Herman, Texas is 0-5 against the spread when they're giving this many points, including last week uh, in which they won but did not cover. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Chip mentioned some of these. Since joining the Big 12 in 2012, TCU is 6-1 and one against the spread as a double-digit underdog. They're 10-5 and five against the, uh, the spread versus AP top 10 teams, and they're 6-2 and two against the spread and straight up versus Texas. There's a lot of trends here that favor TCU. The only thing I'm considering the under for, if I can just get like, Tom, you don't have to jump in with it, but you just give me the thumbs up. I'm going to take the under on this one. It's at 63 I feel like Gary Patterson, you know, Sam Melger struggled mightily with his defense last year. I think he had four picks in the game. Um, I think he's a defensive-minded coach. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to the Big 12 spectacle we saw on, on display last week with Texas and Texas Tech. Um, Max Duggan came off. He played well in the second half, but I think Texas's defense will settle down. They have to play with more intensity and better tackling than they did last week, and 63 is a really big number. Tom, are you gonna are you gonna you gonna give me confirmation or are you saying avoid? I'm not going in on it with you, but I <laughs> one hundred million. I just I'm like you. I've got a huge card, and it's like I've got too many things that I don't want to throw on. But yeah, no, that's Tom Herman unders dog. That that's the way we go. It's no longer Tom Herman is an underdog. Uh my I'll go next. My next pick is on Friday night's game, mm. and it's a line that just doesn't make any damn sense to me. I am taking Louisiana Tech plus 24 and a half at BYU. Barton, you mentioned like, what has Texas done to deserve being a large favorite like that? I understand that BYU has looked good through two games against a Navy team that had not tackled or practiced before the season started. And then last week against Detroit team that just might not be very good. 
But how is it a 24 and a half point favorite against Louisiana Tech? Louisiana Tech's a good team. It's 2 and 0. It won its home it's won its opener against Southern Miss. Last week it beats you you know it played Houston Baptist. It played better against them than either Texas Tech or North Texas did. They just smothered them and killed them. This is a good Louisiana Tech team and Skip Holtz overall is 18 and 8 as an underdog since coming to Louisiana Tech. So they're getting more than three touchdowns here. I feel like at best BYU should be a 14 point favorite and I'm getting 10 and a half points of value. So yeah, give me the bulldogs. Oh, you're, you're, you're forgetting that BYU is, is playoff bound based on oh, their right. first couple games. I mean, this, <laughs> is, this is the team. They, they do thump them, but I don't know like this, like you said, to compare Troy which was a 14-point underdog to Louisiana Tech, the definitely yeah. feels like an overreaction here. Yeah, I mean, there might be some news coming that we don't know yet that maybe Vegas has their hands on, but it just it's it, this line. I, I saw it earlier this week, and I was like, what in the hell is going on here? I have to be on this. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to just, you know, hit the reset button just to just to get ready for what's next? Well, there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, and it's perfect for a moment to unwind. If you are sitting there on a Saturday, you're sweating out uh, all these unders, you're sweating out all these plays, you're seeing that that wonderful 13 or 14 play drive in that Navy Air Force game and you just need to unwind a little bit, Coors Light is right there for you. And don't miss the new packaging from Coors Light. It's already hitting the shelves. The new design features clear skies that invite you to sit back, unwind, and drink it all in. And those iconic Coors Light mountains still turn blue when your beer is as cold as the Rockies. It's a brand new look, but it is the same ice-cold refreshment. Coors Light is the one that we choose when we need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the bill, beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at CoorsLight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right. Let me, uh, I'm going I'm to take the wheel here. And uh, I, I want to go ahead and, and since we are, Georgia Bulldogs podcast. And since we do have an awfully, awfully big game out there on the, uh, on the slate, the, was it deep South's oldest rivalry? You know, we're not in November. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to be, uh, we're not going to be having someone of that same pressure implications here, but I, I do think that it is going to take the, the form of the kind of game that we have seen before in this rivalry. Because as Rusty Manziel said on this podcast, Georgia doesn't believe that Auburn can move the ball on its defense. And Georgia, as you know, we sit here and, and, and we wring our hands about in Dewan Mathis or JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett the fourth, you know, I think Georgia knows it can win this game as long as it doesn't turn the ball over. I think Georgia knows it can win this game relying on the defense because four New starters on the offensive line for Auburn are going to make it really, really tough against Georgia's defense to get anything going. But Bo Nix had a good 
uh, performance against a solid Kentucky defense, but a solid Kentucky defense is not at all what we've got with our beloved dogs. Now, six and a half, seven points. I, I'm actually not going to take the side here. I think Georgia covers, but that's not my lock because six and a half, seven points is something that you might be sweating when this game is like 16 to seven because we are going to be locking up that under in Georgia, Auburn. Let's go dogs. <laughs> Anybody else on it? I'm on it. I am in lock agreement with Chip on the under. Uh, we did these picks for HQ, CBS Sports HQ on Tuesday, and I took Auburn in that one. I feel like Auburn is the public side. I don't love it. I think it's a little bit too reactionary to Auburn's win versus Kentucky. Um, as I was researching this, the first thing that popped up was Auburn is 10-4 and four since the start of last season against the spread. That's the fourth best mark in the FBS. Uh, they were 3-1 and one against the spread as a dog last season. Guess where the one loss came? That against the spread was Georgia. They lost by seven as a three-point dog in that game. Um, so in Gus Malzahn's first season uh, at Auburn in 2013, they beat Georgia straight up and against the spread. That was their national championship game appearance, but they lost to Florida State. Since then, Auburn is one in six straight up and against the spread versus Georgia. So I, I, those kind of took me off the, the thoughts on Auburn. Georgia unders are... Eight and one uh, um, on unders in conference play. That's also the highest rate in the FBS with all five games with a total of 50 or lower going under. Uh, I love the trends in this one for the under. I think this is going to be a classic one where maybe I control the SEC at halftime and it's three to two and I'll get that old. <laughs> hey, loving the, the old school SEC defense here. Where's the offense? I just think this is going to be a low scoring affair. So I'm jumping on the under as well. I am on this game, but I'm not taking the total. Although, again, I always fully support any underplays that anybody on this podcast wants to make. So I'm on board with you there. But I'm going to take Georgia minus six and a half. And I'm on it simply because I think that there was a lot of overreaction to how poor Georgia's offense looked last week. And I think that Auburn's offense, for a lot of the part, you know, they, they played well late, but – they weren't great overall. If you look at a lot of the underlying metrics, they had pretty much no explosive plays to speak of. And I think that they're going to need those if they want to have a realistic chance of beating this Georgia team, which has one of the best defenses in the country. So I look at Georgia, JT Daniels coming back. I don't, I don't care how you want to look at it. To me, it's clear he's going to be an upgrade on the quarterback play compared to what they had last week. And another thing I think that we haven't really talked about that maybe we should have considered more with that Arkansas game is Sam Pittman knows Georgia a lot. So that might have given him and the Arkansas team a little bit of an advantage in preparing for that game. And I also think that we have to realize that as bad as Georgia looked in that game, it's still won by 27 points. It's still won by four touchdowns. Auburn needed three Kentucky turnovers to really get uncorked and going against the Wildcats last week. So I'm trying to take advantage of what I think is an overreaction to what we saw in that first week. Because I think in reality, if, if last week hadn't happened, Georgia's probably a nine and a half to eight and a half point favorite in this game. So if I can get them under a touchdown, I'm not passing that up. Do you still feel just as good if – uh, JT Daniels does not play 
because it sounds like it, it sounds like he is limited at best and probably still um you know a week away no i'm still on it uh, i i'm I, I didn't have this game on my card but, but I, I i just i really like both of the plays that you guys have just laid out um I kind of, I think I kind of like Georgia even more. I just, I, I really think I didn't see a lot out of Auburn's offense. Like there was, like Seth Williams can go out and beat somebody one on one. There's no question. Like Anthony Schwartz, hey, yeah, like he's capable of you know catching a, gashing somebody on a jet sweep if if you don't fit it up right. Like you know if, if there, there's there's potential there. There's big play potential, but I still. I, I kind of think if you're a defense that's capable of keeping Bo Nick sort of contained in the pocket, uh, that he's going to have a hard time picking you apart and the run game couldn't get going. I just kind of have a hard time figuring out where Auburn's going to come up with his points. And, but I don't, mm, this is tough. Um, you're getting it at six and a half, Tom. Yeah. And you guys are betting the under at what, 45? Yeah. 45, yeah. I got one more stat for it if you want it. Okay. So this is currently Auburn's – this is tied for Auburn's third lowest total under Gus Malzahn. Each of Malzahn's five lowest totals at Auburn have gone under. Considering last year it was a 43-and-a-half in their game last year, 35 ended up being the total. That was the most recent. It's got underwritten all over it. I think the – I'm going to go – I'm going to go under. I'm going to join the under. <laughs> The only the reason I chose <laughs> the under instead of Georgia is just because like the only way that Auburn wins this game to me is is crazy Auburn turnover stuff. And and I could see Auburn being like, all right, you got this guy, you got the you got the guy with the four, the, the Roman numeral four after his last name under center. Like we're going to make you beat us we're gonna like we're going to absolutely challenge you to throw to beat us and i could see something popping off something crazy happening maybe auburn just keeps it you know keeps it close with a pick save or, or scoop a score or something so I, i'm gonna yeah i'll take the under all right where I, I there's just a lot of unity on the board um who 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 wants up next i mean i'll go yeah. 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 I mean, so let's, um, speaking of Georgia, um, last week, Tom talked about Arkansas, um, and the performance that they put in. It was, you know, by the, you know, they didn't have a great day offensively, but they've made enough plays. They were competitive. They came out with a little bit of a, they came out with some life to them. Um, and I think they probably got a little bit of belief out of that game. Mississippi State, one game into the season, is an 18-point favorite over Arkansas. Uh, I, I just, Arkansas has got some film on that on the air raid. I don't think Arkansas is, has the kind of same sort of hubris as LSU, where they're going to just you know get in Mississippi State's face and and jam them. I think that they're going to you're going to make Arkansas earn it, or I'm sorry, make Mississippi State earn it. Um, you know, I, I've I've I said before the season. I think Arkansas is is better than people are giving it credit for. I don't know if we learned that or not, but we learned that they're going to fight a little bit. So, 
I, I'm going to take Ark. I'm going to take Arkansas plus the points plus the big number. I think I can get it at 18. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Sam Pittman and Arkansas, um, at least keeping it competitive against Mississippi State. Don't hate it. Don't hate it either. I mean, that all of a sudden we go from uh, 0 and 20 Vanderbilt and Arkansas to circling around with a whole <laughs> lot of belief in the Hogs. Now that we're uh, we're off and running, I cannot cannot wait for it. This was always a game. I thought that they like like when back when I made my my bad. Uh, predictions about sort of what Mississippi State could do this year. I thought this was a game that could they could trip up on. I no longer think that they're going to they have a chance to lose this game, but they I I think 18 points is just too many after one week. All right, I'm going to take us uh up to the big mustard bottle, Heinz Field, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you want to find uh a spot where you can identify an offense that's having trouble putting the ball in the end zone, go look for the ACC kicker of the week awards, because <laughs> when you've got multiple 40 plus yard field goals, like congratulations, like Alec Crest, Alex Cressman, like that's good. Like I'm, I'm glad that Pat Narduzzi has somebody that he feels like he can trust to be able to get points on the board. But I see that and I know how good Pitt's defense is. And that, to me, sounds like your offense ain't up to snuff, bruh. So Pitt's offense is averaging, I think it's like five or four and a half yards per play against FBS competition, just two games. But uh, against Syracuse and Louisville, they rank 13th out of 15 ACC teams. And when you get great field position from your defense and you're not able to turn it into touchdowns, you should not be trusted to cover 14-point spreads. 15 out of 20 times when the spread, and this is Tom's stat right here, but like 15 out of 20 times when the spread is between uh, plus 3.5 or minus 3.5 within that touchdown, 15 out of 20 times, Pat Narduzzi will go get you a cover or a push. So depending on where you got that number, uh, it was either a cover or a push against the cards. But they only had three second-half points. The defense kept putting the ball back in Kenny Pickett's hands and they could not get that extra touchdown to give them some wiggle room. And you're going to ask me to trust them with a two touchdown spread. I I'm probably going to have to sweat this and NC state's defense just got dragged by Justin Fuente and his press availability this week. Uh, he said, he said it was a little simple. He said that they knew exactly what it was going to be and they felt really good about things. He said that Duke's defense is going to provide much more of a challenge for Virginia Tech than NC State. They felt dialed in and they did not see any adjustments. So I understand that I'm trusting NC State's defense in a way and I understand that Pitt's defense is going to make life very hard on either Devin Leary or Bailey Hockman, but, but... I'm not ready to trust Pitt with the two touchdown spread. So give me the Wolf Pack. Oh, plus 14. You know, Chip, you asked me at the top of the show if I learned any lessons from last week. And I did learn a lesson. And you just reminded me of the lesson. I'm never going to believe another word Justin Fuente says in a press conference again. <laughs> so I hope you don't get burned like I did. <laughs> I'll, I'll Man, go next I, I want- Oh. Oh, go ahead. So I was going to say I want to fight, but I'm not going to fight. I, no, I, I, no I'm fight. Sucked into the vortex. I don't. I'm exercising discipline. Stay humble. Stay hungry. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, now I feel bad because I ruined a fight. I'm like the pacifist. Uh, 
I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the Big Twelve. I am going to take Iowa State plus seven and a half against Oklahoma. Uh, we, we talked about this on HQ earlier this week. You know, this is a situation where obviously I'm a little more worried about it because Oklahoma's coming off that loss to Kansas State. But what I saw from Oklahoma in that loss to Kansas State, to me, didn't really seem like a one-off. To me, I feel like there are legitimate concerns about that team on the defensive side of the ball going forward. But this is more about Iowa State and the position Iowa State is in because they lost their home opener to the Raging Cajuns. And then, you know, last week against uh, TCU, they won, but it wasn't like the most impressive win. So there's some doubt in Iowa State. But when people are doubting the Cyclones is exactly when you want to be on the Cyclones, and particularly Matt Campbell, who has done a fantastic job as an underdog during his coaching career. At Iowa State, he's 18-7 and seven against the spread as an underdog. At Toledo, he was 10-6, and six, so he's 28-13 and 13 overall. He's 16 and five in big 12 games as an underdog. And he's four and oh against the spread against Oklahoma. Now the difference is Iowa state has never been smaller than a 14 point dog in any of those four games against Oklahoma. So they're down to only a touchdown here, but he's never lost to Oklahoma by more than 10 points either. And he has beaten Oklahoma once. So I feel really good about the Cyclones here. I think they're getting overlooked a little too much. I don't expect them to pull off the win. I don't think Oklahoma is going to lose two weeks in a row, but I think Oklahoma could lose two weeks in a row. And I think this Iowa state team is capable of pulling off an upset. So give me the clones plus seven and a half. Sorry. Important. I, hook. Think, you're, I think you're on the right side. I'm, I was close to playing this. Um, instead, what I'm going to play is the over. Uh, so yeah, look at the, nice. like, there's like shock. If you're watching the <laughs> YouTube or wherever this is posted, like the one overplay gets like shocking looks. Um, no, I'm proud of you. It's an Oklahoma home under. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, like Iowa state, Matt Campbell against Oklahoma four and against the spread, um, beat that spread by 17 points per game. Um, and yeah, obviously came off Kansas state win last year and, and still uh, nearly won um, losing by one point. I, I just think that I, I think I still, I still have a little bit of fear of the potency of that Oklahoma offense because they can still move the ball. They can stay. They're still very dangerous. They have great athletes. They're just, they're, they're, they're a little turnover prone right now. Um, but Iowa state, I think, it's like I also think there is a there's like a mental block right now on that Oklahoma defense and those guys there's no they're they're back to after the game last week I think they're they're gonna get start to to sink back into the no confidence group and I think that's what seeps into this group is they're just used to getting beat it's normal they're used to giving up big plays and and you know you, you last year they started to convince themselves a little bit that it's a new Oklahoma and a new defense. And, and I think that if, if Iowa State gets a few big plays, I think Brock Purdy still hasn't played a great game, and I think that's coming. So I just think defensively Oklahoma is, is um, vulnerable enough that I, I just think this game gets into the 30s. And um, I also like Iowa State, but I'm going to play the over. I think the Oklahoma overs until that defense uh, proves me otherwise might be a blind fire. 
I'm, I don't, I don't want to like creep too much in on your card here for competition purposes. You know, I don't want to jack your steez, but I feel like that's, uh, that's something that I'm going to be circling and that's something that I'm going to be eyeing here for a little bit. All right, let's, uh, let's go to a lot of, a lot of plays in Texas. I think that SMU should be the favorite against Memphis. And I've got them on a short line here. I think we're looking at it at two. And I think that I'm, I'm going to take that two and uh, I won't be making it my money line sprinkle spoiler alert. I will not, but I, I like the two for the fact that these games seem like they are destined to have a two-point conversion in there somewhere or a, a missed uh, extra point or something to just go bananas. So uh, I will be taking SMU plus two. Their defense has allowed a lot of garbage time points. Like the North Texas win had a lot of garbage time points. It was a 31-7 at halftime before North Texas finally started pouring it on. And I, I kind of think that Shane Bouchelle, Reggie Robertson, the, the rest of this offense is just cooking right now. And there's nothing from Memphis, Arkansas State, which, hello, Memphis, is the first time we've seen you since week one, uh, you know, Labor Day weekend. There's nothing from Memphis's defense in that game or Memphis's defense as a, as a brand and as a unit, the way it's played over the last couple of years, that leads me to believe that they're going to provide a whole lot of resistance here. So I think that SMU's got a little bit uh, more recency in terms of their rhythm. Uh, and yeah, I, I think they should be favored. I catch them on a, a narrow dog and I, I like my wiggle room there. So I'll be taking SMU plus two. Ooh, I get it at two and a half. Give it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, at, at the fine establishment known as William Hill Sportsbook and Casino, they're getting two and a half points. There you go. Who's up? I'm with, I'm with it. Just make sure that those, you know, how, how much time we got to make sure they avoid any party buses down in Memphis. They <laughs> 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 stay away from that party bus. And they have a chance. But. All right. I'm going to grab, uh, I'm going to head back to the ACC uh, game of the week there. Uh, Virginia versus Clemson rematch of last year's ACC title game, right? That's 62 to 17, uh, nail biter. Yes, correct. Um, I'm getting the best I can get now is 27 and a half. I was worried. I saw this. I thought I I checked this, uh, in the past couple of days, it was up over 28. If I can get it at 27 and a half, I want to jump on that quickly. Um, and I got two plays in this game. Um, because this is my new philosophy, the heavy favorite versus a team that's less than them. And I'm going on the other side. I'm going to take the over, uh, on the total of this game. You mentioned last year's score, 62 to 17. They won by 45. Um, I feel like Clemson is potentially just as good as last year's team or could be. And Virginia, I thought was going to be less than last year's team. So I still think this is going to be a completely lopsided affair. I think Clemson will have their way with them. Uh, Virginia, it's just their second game over the last three seasons as a double-digit underdog in ACC play. They lost by 45 as a 29.5-point dog last year in the ACC title game. But under Bronco Mendenhall, so since 2016, Virginia is 2-6 and six against the spread as a double-digit underdog in ACC play. So I got a trend in favor there. Now my over, which I think is at 55 right now, I'm going to take the over. and a half. Uh, 54 and a half, even better for the fact that Clemson put up 62 and covered it on their own last year. I think they're still going to put up a tremendous amount of points. And then I do think Bronco, like, so here's my philosophy on this one, as far as the taking the over. 
So I think if they wanted to, Clemson could hold Virginia's attack, you know, probably win something around the 49 to three range. They could dominate this game. I wonder if coaches are going to be more quick, uh, quick to pull their starters to get them off the field to exposure to COVID, right? And injury, like you're playing less games this year, or less bye weeks, take them off the field. We saw it happen at Bama. They gave up a couple touchdowns late to Missouri. We've seen some other ones where I've been burned on this side. So I'm going to take the reverse attempt and say, all right, I'm going to take the over in this one. I think Virginia will still fight all the way through the game. I think once the backups come in, yes, Clemson's clearly better than them, but Virginia will still have their starters in. I think they could put up some points late. So you're taking both Clemson and the over, just to clarify. Correct. Okay. Laying 27 and a half over 54 and a half. I'll jump on uh, the Tigers minus 27 and a half. They, I mean, they, they have every reason to continue to get Frank Ladson and the rest of those wide receivers into rhythm. And I don't think Virginia right now is in a position where they're going to be able to uh, present too much, too many problems. And man, like what'd you, what would we say about Virginia coming off that Duke game? We said like, oh, like looked like that offensive line is old. They're experienced. They're they're doing a good job. Oh man, they're gonna they may have an age advantage against Brian Brzee and Miles Murphy, but they ain't they ain't got a skill advantage against uh, Brian Brzee and Miles Murphy. I think that Clemson's defensive line blows up everything that uh, Virginia wants to do. Brennan Armstrong's day is very very difficult, and I do think that Clemson is able to cover this as we get it uh, a hook inside of four touchdowns and remember Clemson 15 and four against the spread against the ACC since 2018. And that's 10 and two against the spread whenever they're favored by fewer than 30 points. Winning this game would break a tie for the most consecutive regular season wins in college football history. They are currently in a tie with a 1953 to 1957 Oklahoma run. I think they're going to break the tie this week. I think they're going to <laughs> as well. And and we'll see. I mean, Miami's coming to Death Valley in the next week, so uh, maybe, maybe a little look-ahead spot. Coming up on the other side, more of our Week 5 locks and our Moneyline Sprinkles next Majors down and one to go in 2020. Bryson DeChambeau overpowered his peers at the U.S. Open. Can he carry that into November for a fall edition of the Masters? We're chatting about that and more on the First Cut Golf Podcast, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. We're in your feed week in and week out with tournament previews, picks, interviews, news, and analysis. Join Mark Immelman, Kyle Porter, Greg Ducharme, and myself, Rick Gaiman, as we give you daily fantasy plays, winning bets, and the hottest takes about Bryson, Phil, and Tiger. So what are you waiting for? Come join our group and let's talk golf. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere else podcasts are found. All right, I'm going to start off here. I'm going to go but take us back to the Big 12. This one might get a little – I'd like to see the reactions to this one based on what we've seen so far. <laughs> but I am taking the under 64-and-a-half in Texas Tech and Kansas State. I know that Texas Tech's defense was awful. We saw what happened last week against Texas in that crazy game where there was over 100 points. We saw what happened against Houston Baptist, but – I think that in this matchup, 
Texas Tech's offense will not be on the field very often because I do think that this is kind of along the lines of when I took the under in the very first week when Kansas State was playing against Arkansas State. I thought that Kansas State would be able to dictate the play there, and they didn't. But I do think that Kansas State, even coming off the win against Oklahoma, possible letdown, but I do think that they're going to be able to control the pace against a defense that can't do anything. And I feel like this total is set a little bit too high because of that. And I think that Kansas State's going to win this game. Kansas State's going to win it easily. But I also don't think it's going to be that high scoring. And that also the under is 10 and 13 the last 13 times Kansas State has been favored. So that plays in my favor. I'm taking the under. Please, Kansas State, just squeeze the air out of the ball a little bit. All right. Thank you. So I was uh, about to start running to my weather map. I was going to see that if it's Kansas State and Texas Tech, if you're going to hit us with some wind on this one. There, it, there is some in the forecast, but it's not it, at this point. It does not meet wonder conditions. Okay. And wonder conditions for the uh, for the first timers that might be checking this out. 10 to 15 uh, crosswinds 10 plus not doesn't have to be crosswinds, but right now this is on the borderline. It's currently between 10 and 11 mile per hour crosswinds, but I don't want to give it a wonder when it's that borderline and this far away from the game. So obviously as always keep your eye on the forecast going into <laughs> Saturday afternoon, to see how the winds are howling through Manhattan. And if they are moving at a quick pace, feel free to join me on board this under. Did you see how you, you, uh, when you gave the pick, you gave like this dramatic pause because I think you expected everyone to jump out and be like, oh my gosh, look at that. That's a crazy under. These guys, these teams score so many points. But what you had failed to recognize is you have indoctrinated this pod with this under sickness. And instead, you got a bunch of us being like, oh yeah, great, great pick, man. It's a cool under. Like, forget that noise, man. You got right. find some over somewhere. All right, Barton. What, what you, what you got? Right. All right, speak. I'm not going to do an over here, but I am going to stay in the Big 12. And I am going to go towards a, uh, like, these are two, I think these are two principles probably for me. One, fake Kansas. Two, the belief stays strong in my pokes. Okay. Oklahoma State starts to get right this weekend against Kansas. Tom, what can you get me? 21, 21 and a half? 21 and a half is the best I can do. 21 and a half. No problem. I'll take it. 21 and a half. Um, Spencer Sanders is, is taking some first team reps in practice this week. I don't know what that means. It's he'll start. I would assume it means he gets a couple of series. Um, I, I think the offense is, is still going to be imperfect, but the offensive line should continue to improve week by week. Um, I, I think that's, with that being sort of the issue right now for Oklahoma State, they're facing a defensive front of Kansas that's pretty inexperienced, pretty young. Um, and I, I just think Oklahoma State will be able to make some plays. Um, defensively, they've they're, they got a true freshman to feast on. Oklahoma State's been awesome on defense. I just think that this is another number that has not gotten big enough for what Kansas is this year, uh, which is really bad. Um, and so give me Oklahoma State. I you're you're there, man. That's you. That's it's fading Kansas. It's back in the pokes. It it is the Barton Simmons game of the week. I mean, people are gonna talk about be. Bama, Texas A and M. People are gonna talk about Auburn, Georgia. You know, people people are gonna talk about 
all these other games, I guess the game of the week, game Barton Simmons game of the week is Oklahoma State, Kansas. There will be a time to make the switch to Kansas belief and <laughs> less miles run through a brick wall. It's just, it's not time yet. Mm, okay. Uh, I got, I think I'm, no, I got one left. Um, I've got two. Two? All right. Go for it. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I mentioned it earlier when they played Houston Baptist, how they looked bad. You know, sometimes you're not really betting on a team as much as you're betting against a team. And I'm betting against North Texas as a favorite with Southern Miss. Let me see what the line's at now. It was moving last night, but it is currently at, yeah, I can get two points. I'm taking Southern Miss plus two against North Texas. Uh, First of all, Southern Miss is 0-3 against the spread, so they've got to cover eventually. But more than anything, like North Texas's defense has been horrible through its first two games. It was horrible against Houston Baptist, and it was horrible last week against SMU when it allowed 65 points and 710 yards of offense. And personally, I do not make a habit of taking teams that allow 48 points per game and 640 yards per game as a favorite against anybody. And North Texas is 4-9 and nine against the spread at home to begin with since the start of the 2018 season. So Southern Miss, not a great team, but North Texas isn't a good team, so it shouldn't be favored. Give me the Eagles plus two. Respect. I mean, Scotty Walden, let's go. Giddy up. You don't, you don't get to be on the 40 under 40. 30 under 30. 30. Under 30. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 30 under 30. Has he graduated? 40 under 40, 40, under 40 is too much work. There's, you know, 10 more <laughs> there's people. A lot of, there's a lot under 40 out there. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get to be on those lists and, and get that Barton Simmons recognition uh, without being ready to, uh, to answer the call. Uh, I will throw one more uh, little bit of ACC love on here. So... Offensive coordinator Phil Longo spends a lot of time talking about how Sam Howell is, is understanding defense is better. He's understanding game plan, and he's he's getting ready to take the next step. And North Carolina's been off. You know, hadn't hadn't been out since September twelfth. In that time, Boston College has played two games. Boston College has played two very different games. There was a twenty point win against Duke, where the game kind of fell into their hands, uh, and then there was a come from behind victory as an eighteen point favorite against Texas State at home. So I understand that there is a human element here that is dangerous. The fact that North Carolina has been off, the fact that Boston College has been playing. But I also think that beyond the human element is a schematic advantage because Sam Howell has gotten to see two very different kinds of games, two very different uh, approaches to the play calling from Boston College defensively. Jeff Halfley, very, very good defensive coach, and uh, they've done a good job of turning the ball over, and they came up with the stops they needed against Texas State. But I think in all this time off, you know, Sam Howell has been able to sit there. The film cut-up sessions give him a lot to chew on. If they bring, if they, if North Carolina can bring the juice, and if they can bring some energy, I, I think that North Carolina is going to be able to cook offensively in this game. I think I can get it at 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. I will take the Tar Heels minus 13 and a half. Give me some lock agreement, baby. Give me some lock agreement. This was 
The last game I had for the weekend, uh, I checked the weather, was a little bit nervous about that. In Boston, it's about 64 and clear, so perfect fall day, leaves changing in Chestnut Hill. I think Sam Howell, coming off a really bad game against Syracuse, has been you know just antsy, ready to get back on the field. I'm not buying into BC just yet. I mean, the Barton's guy, Phil Jerkovic, even though he did have a pretty impressive outing last week, uh, here's some trends for you. Since the start of last season, so Mac Brown's tenure, North Carolina's 5-0 and against the spread as a six or more point favorite, including a one-point cover this season versus Syracuse. Uh, since 2018, Boston College is 0-3 against the spread as a double-digit underdog. Uh, so you've got those going for you. In UNC's last um, – Four games. Their point differential is plus 147. That is an average of 36 points a game. Um, UNC's won the last four games in the series. They've scored 30 plus in each of the last three games in the series. I think that trend is going to continue, and I don't think BC can hang with them if they put up an offensive display on Saturday. So I'm laying the 13 as well with you with the Tar Heels. Here's a trend that our listeners will probably hope keeps coming through. Uh, both Danny and Chip are in lock agreements on Clemson minus 27 and a half and UNC minus 13 and a half. So far this year on the locks pod, lock agreement between Chip and Danny's five and one. Ooh, I, my I man. Like I like nice. that trend. I got to do some of this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love it. The ACC boys, they know they're ACC. So when they're in agreement That's on an right. ACC game, you want to follow them. That's right. So if, if Danny and I are Iceman and Maverick, then is Danny, me, and Chip like Iceman, Maverick, and like Merlin? Because I want to <laughs> I want to I want to unite the damn clans. Let's there we go. Uh three lock unities between the three of us this week. Jeez. Uh, but this is a layup. I mean, this is a this is a damn layup. Like I, I think that you I mean you guys already hit it and, and I, I agree with everything you said, but bottom line is like BC is that I mean the, the Duke game was a total like like random game. I mean they, they had a bunch of turnovers is, is really sort of what, what sealed it. They were outgained by Texas State last weekend. UNC's been sitting there, like Chip said, like watching them the, these guys on film. They're they're ready to get back out there. Uh, I think that I think BC is fortunate to be two and zero right now, and I think that they get uh, a, a bit of a uh, kind of a splash of cold water with UNC. Uh, so I, I think UNC rolls. All right, I'm tapped out till money line sprinkles. Barton, Danny, do you have any left? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm I'm tapped out. Me too. All right, I guess I'm going final. My my last lock before we get to money line sprinkles. Uh, you know, we watched the Lane Train last weekend put up a whole bunch of points and a whole bunch of yards on Florida, while also giving up a whole bunch of points and a whole bunch of yards. But what stood out to me was the way that that offense played and how explosive it looked. And then I think of how I when I was watching that Auburn Kentucky game about how largely ineffective the Kentucky offense looked. So. I think Kentucky's defense is good, and I think Kentucky's defense did a great job of limiting limiting explosive plays against Auburn last week, but I just have concerns because 
this Rebels offense is going to be able to put up points. They're too explosive not to. If they could put up points on Florida, I'm pretty sure they could put up points on Kentucky. So I don't know how the Wildcats are really going to be able to keep pace offensively with this team to cover a six and a half point spread. So I am taking the lane train plus six and a half at Kentucky. I, I almost took Kentucky. This this almost could have been a fight. I just don't – I just think last week – I'm not going to do it. Okay. It's down the card. <laughs> I'm not going to jump on here. I just I just still I, – I really think that that Florida Ole Miss game last week was, was just such a maniac game that I, I don't know that like that tells us a lot. Um, I uh, – to – for full disclosure here, because you have brought the game up, the dentist is on this game. He is on the over. So you're Ooh. safe, Tom. But I don't look. So the dentist is on the over. Um, we'll see if he can get back going again. You know, I, I it, it hurts my heart when I see like tweets saying the dentist has lost his mystique. So I'm trying to protect him from himself a little bit. But I mean, he's, he's still swinging. Ole Miss over. So I'm not locking it up. I'm just making a little mental note here because like Oklahoma overs, it just might be a blind fire, you know? Yeah. The style of play, the way the team is made up. I don't like it. I also feel like, I also feel like Lane's not going to want to start 0-2 against the spread for the boosters. (laughs) (laughs) Which was terrifying me versus the Gators. Mm -hmm. I have a question for the pod. Yes. Because... I've fully, I've, I've got all my plays out there, but I'm learning how to approach the money line sprinkle. Like, what do I look for? This is actually my money line sprinkle. I think Lane Kiffin would love nothing more than to not only cover the spread, than to get a huge upset against a team that I, I watch the offense. I don't know. Now, the question is Kentucky's defense, which has been one of the better ones in the SEC over the last two years. First in pass yards per game, only give it up 177. Third in points per game, 18. And uh, fourth in total yardage per game. But I don't think they've faced the likes, in the, mostly in the East, against the type of offense they're going to see coming at them. So I feel like Ole Miss only needs to put up 24 points maybe, and then it becomes problematic for Kentucky. I think they can do that. I think Lane will come up with some kind of schemes. And when we saw some of the innovation last week, I think he's going to put some point up points up so my question for you is do is it a lock agreement and a money line sprinkle or should i just save this for the money line sprinkle 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 okay perfect because i got a full card i like it so that's my (laughs) money line sprinkle i get you plus 190 love it all right money line sprinkle time where's everybody going uh yeah i mean i'll go whatever uh i'm gonna take my pirates east carolina Plus 105 against the head of the heart bat. Oh, you know what? It's up to plus 120, boys. (laughs) I'm good. Yeah. Give me my pirates plus 120. I mean, I don't like. Does anybody think that, you know, East Carolina should be an underdog against Georgia State? Is Georgia State something we need to be scared of or worried about? You don't walk. You don't walk into the Ted expecting like you're just going to be able to run the place. No, but you do cruise in on your pirate ship just shooting cannonballs and blowing the place <laughs> all to hell. So give me the pirates plus 120 is my money line sprinkle. All right. Money line sprinkle for Tom. Barton, what's yours? I am going to play 
Air Force plus 220. Ooh, I like you know, that. Like, I don't really understand this line, honestly. I mean, I, so I could play it on, I could play the, the, the points, but uh, if I'm going to play the points, I might as well just, just take the, the win because I would, like we talked about, this is, I, I know that the Air Force looks like they're going to get a season ultimately, but they've been preparing for this game as if this is their season. Um, they, there's, they were 128th in the country and Bill Connolly's, you know, pr- returning production. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think in, in this sort of a setting that that's a negative. I think that that's a Navy doesn't know who the hell they're going to try it out there. And I, they have not seen any film on these guys. They don't even know who's playing quarterback. Troy Calhoun has been keeping that under wraps. Uh, I know Air Force got a few practices in because uh, spring practices in because I remember him being interviewed awkwardly about him being a candidate for the Colorado job back in the spring. And so I think that Air Force is perfectly equipped to win this game. They're 11 and two last year. I know one of those losses was to, to Navy, but I, I think that this is the type of game that is going to be, it's a rivalry game. I mean, I just think it's a bit too big of a number. And I, I think air force has a great shot at winning it. Get you two twenty-five. I'll take it. So I am dead. La- so shout out to the sprinkle two twenty-five. Uh, I'm dead last in the sprinkles right now. I am. zero and two. I've been taking big swings. I went with uh, Georgia Tech plus 240. Um, I guess that would have been the UCF game. I went with Ole Miss plus 480 against Florida. I I got to get a win, man. I got I got to get some units on the board. So I'm going to go sensible here. What is the best price that I can get for Texas Tech? For Tech, ooh. <laughs> for Texas Tech, the best you can get is 120. Let's go Texas Tech plus 120 money line sprinkle uh Kansas State coming off of uh the win that made it feel like it belonged on the same field as the Sooners and Texas Tech I do not think that they're going to have a letdown I think that that was a a confidence inspiring victory and no one you know, no one should ever be a favorite in the Big 12 that is my principle right now. No one should ever be a favorite at all. No one deserves to be a favorite. So uh, I'm going sensible here, going with a short one. The other money line sprinkle I had on my card was uh, Ole Miss. I definitely like that one. And then, but I'm I want I want to keep keep you know giving the people some uh, some other places to look. And the other one that I would recommend. Wait, can I just throw another money line sprinkle on there? Can Why I do not? multiples? Yeah, okay. absolutely. West Virginia. What's my best price? Like 125, 130, something like that? Let's see. Uh, West Virginia, West Virginia. Where are you on this stupid board? What time's that game at? Oh, Baylor. Uh, the best I can get you is 130. Let's go 130. Uh, shout out to uh, Matt Coca. We're going West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, hashtag no one should be favored in the Big 12. Two Big 12 underdogs. That's my money line sprinkle. That's how we uh, get back going. All right. Uh, by the way, shout out Dino Drop. I just, I just, I forgot Tom had Syracuse straight up last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want to know in my sprinkle so far? I mean, do you want to get it just to just just to play it? Uh, uh, Celebrate no. it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's 60 seconds. If you guys got 60 seconds. I got 60. I got 60 seconds. Close your eyes for me. Visualize this. You're in the carrier dome. The house is filled. Kind of. No fans. The feeling is electric. The noise 
is deafening. You have a defense that is relentless. You have a special teams that has been well, well coached. You have an offense that will not huddle. And you have a game that's faster than you've ever seen on turf. Guys, open your eyes. That's going to be a reality. That's going to be Syracuse football. Yes. Remember yeah. last year, remember last year, the story of the season was LSU. They had the incredible videos that went viral and USC like stole the video coordinators away, brought them out uh, to USC. Has anybody stolen away Syracuse's guy yet? Like I, he's, it's gotta be a hot commodity right now. Like it, 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 whoever's, whoever's editing that deserves a massive that's raise. A, that's a chip. That's Patterson it. original. Yeah. Oh, it is. Well, that, yeah. there yeah. it is. That's all you need to <laughs> know right, right there. Uh, we got to make sure we keep you around chip. Like you should be taking that to the bosses right there. <laughs> The, uh, you want to move up to you want to move up to Syracuse, New York, and just uh, <laughs> hunker down and start making some sound bites. That's amazing. I had no idea that was a Chip Patterson original. Yeah, Hell the yeah. the that's the Dino drop is uh, has lived quite a life, and it looked like it was maybe on the way out. We were wondering if we would ever get to play it again, but uh, after after the outright win against Georgia Tech, uh, it looks like we've we've still got some time left. All right. To review quickly, Tom's card, Louisiana Tech, Friday night against BYU, plus 24 and a half, Navy Air Force under, Service Academy unders, Georgia minus six and a half, Iowa State plus seven and a half, the Texas Tech, Kansas State under 64 and a half, Southern Miss plus two, and Ole Miss plus six and a half, Barton's card, Auburn, Georgia under, South Carolina plus 18, TCU plus 12 and a half, LSU minus 20 and a half, Arkansas plus 18, uh, the Oklahoma, Iowa state over North Carolina plus 13 minus 13 and a half at Boston college and Oklahoma state minus 21 and a half chips card, Auburn, Georgia under 45 Navy air force under 46 and a half TCU plus 12 and a half NC state plus 14 Clemson minus 27 and a half SMU plus two and a half North Carolina minus 13 and a half. Then Danny's card Auburn at Georgia under 45 Florida minus 17 and a half TCU plus 12 and a half and the TCU at Texas under Tom Herman unders dog uh, Clemson minus 27 and a half and the Clemson Virginia over 54 and a half and North Carolina minus 13 and a half lock unity Auburn, Georgia under TCU plus 12 and a half North Carolina minus 13 and a half lock agreement on Navy air force under and Clemson minus 27 and a half and our lone lock fight of week five, Florida, South Carolina, choose your fighter wisely. How are we feeling? A lot of color on that board between you three. I'm all alone over here. I've got one lock agreement and nothing else. Yeah, this this could go a couple ways in terms of the competition. Either like we all surge together, or we all pull down, and Tom is navigating his uh, his ship by himself <laughs> on that island. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.
Brian Campbell, and along with Luke Thomas, we are the hosts of Morning Combat, your one-stop shop for all things combat sports. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we'll hit you up with a brand new episode looking at the biggest headlines in boxing, mixed martial arts, and so much more. That's not to mention bonus content every Tuesday and Thursday, featuring interviews with the biggest names, dissected fight breakdowns, and even a little ridiculousness from time to time. We surely take the fight game seriously, but never ourselves. So why not give us a try for all your combat needs before and after the big fights? It's Morning Combat. Download and subscribe today wherever you consume fine audio.